wrap up our chameleon series. We are, uh, we're there. We're at the end of it. We're talking about fighting the urge to fit in. And what we've done all throughout the month of July, we've looked at how to do that. We've talked about confronting our uh, conforming and, and do we want to stick out? Do we want to, uh, to speak up? Do we want to do that? We have to decide that. Then we learned uh, the second week of July that we are chosen. God has picked us. He's drafted us, if you will. And we talked a little bit about Riley Martin, a kid of, uh, of, of kids we grew up with. He got drafted by the Chicago Cubs. Uh, the owners drafted him because he brought something to the organization. You've been chosen because you bring something to the kingdom. You have a gift that is unique to this body. You are a body church made up of members, so you are chosen to do that. What are we chosen for? Well, that's what we learned last week. We are chosen to be ambassadors. We are to speak for Christ, speak for the kingdom, speak to our king, speak for our king, speak for his kingdom, speak for our sovereign. That's who we are. Now, what do we speak when we, when we say something? What do we have? Well, that's where we are today. We're going to be talking about imitating the love of Christ. Imitating the love of Christ for all those around us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 2. And I'm going to read to you, uh, I'm going to read this out of the NIV, but then I'm going to swing right back with a more uh, modern version just to really help us tweak what, that, uh, what, what it means. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and as a sacrifice for sin. That other translation uh, says it like this. So try to be like him. Try to imitate Jesus. Be imitation Jesus to Chester. Be imitation Jesus to Perry County. Be imitation Jesus to Steelville, wherever you're at. Be imitation Jesus in Jackson County. Paul called us to, to imitate God. He called us to, to imitate God, especially in the way we love. And that sounds simple enough. There's only one problem. You and me. Uh, that's the problem. Uh, when we go to imitate Jesus, sure enough... There we are. And we struggle with that. We struggle with the idea of loving because you know, I kind of tend to give a bad impersonation of Jesus most of the time because I tend to show Mike's definition of love and, and, and Mike's characteristics and things like that. Question, if you're going to imitate someone, if you're going to imitate anybody, if you're going to model somebody's behavior in your life, who better to imitate than Jesus? I mean, who better than Jesus to emulate? Who other than Him would we want to be like? Who better to model our life around and conform ourselves into the image to? Like I acted like the Three Stooges as a kid. As an adult, I need to act more like Jesus and imitate Him. Christ is our most precious example of the Father's love to us. Christ is the ultimate example of how much God loves us. And He answers the question, well, okay, Mike, how much does God love me? Well, the Bible says this, 1 John 14, 4.10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us. Another translation says, God gave His Son to be the way to take away our what? He's the way to take away our sins. It's not baptism that takes away sin. It's not being in a church that takes away sin. It's not giving your offering that takes away sin. It's not being a Catholic or a Methodist or a Lutheran or a Methodist, uh, any, any of them that take away sin. What takes away sin? Or more practically and more literally, who takes away sin? Jesus. It's all wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. Love is the reason Jesus came. We see that in John 3.16. Probably the most quoted Bible verse. It's, in, it's underneath the eyes of baseball players and football players. You see it on high school players' face. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. We understand that. We also go to the idea of John thir uh, 15 verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life. For his friends everything jesus did was a foundation of love everything everything streamed out of his love 
The reason Jesus came from heaven to earth was love. The reason He went to the cross was love. The reason He healed the lepers was love. The reason He healed the woman with the issue of blood, well, it was love. The reason He went through the Passion Week, well, that was love too. The reason that He took the spear in the side and the nails in His hands, well, that was love. And you see that proven throughout the entire Passion. You see that proven. Jesus wasn't afraid to break down barriers and go talk to that woman in the middle of the day by the Samaritan well. When, when Jesus was confronted with that, He just overreached it with love. There was nothing that stopped Him from reaching out in love. When he fed the 5,000, he did it out of love. When he went to the cross, he did it out of love. But listen to me. When he flipped the tables over in the temple, guess what? He also did that out of love. When he said, oh, you're right. The man you're living with is not your husband. He even confronted her sin out of love. Everything he did bloomed out of love. Let's spend some time today looking about what it is exactly about God's love that we're to emulate. Number one, know this. God's love is unconditional. Church, say God's love is unconditional. If we're going to imitate Jesus' love, we have to understand that it is unconditional. John 3.16 is arguably the most well-known, most quoted Bible verse in all of history. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. We did nothing to earn that love, Kelly. Tim, we did nothing to deserve that love. We did nothing to put that into our bank account as a credit. We did nothing to get that love. In fact, the opposite is actually true. I've done things and I do things that, that if I was God, I wouldn't give me love. I'd give me hell. I'd give me separation. I'd give me trouble. I'd give me punishment. I'd give me discipline. Because that's what I deserve. That's what I've earned. But when Jesus gives me love, it's because I haven't deserved it. I have not earned it. He gives me love. Now, love is one of those things we use. We say we love things all the time. Last night we had ribs. Oh, I love these ribs. I love sunny days. I love podcasts. Is that the kind of love? Mm -mm. I love Miss Pam. And I love my boys. And I think I probably love my boys more with an agape love than I do, Pam. And we talked about that. In fact, I'm going to share with you exactly what that means. Because I think we're obligated to love our kids with an agape love. There ain't nothing Christy could do that would make you stop loving her. There ain't nothing the kids can do that make you stop loving her. I don't think. Now let me get real with you. Agape love is unconditional. Agape love doesn't require somebody to say thank you. Agape love is just given for the benefit of the other person. You say, well, preacher, you're saying you don't love Miss Pam that way. I got real with you. I tell you that because this. I don't think we fully understand or grasp the idea of what agape love is because this. I know we're supposed to love our spouse agape-wise, but if I'm honest with you, there are things that if, if Miss Pam was unfaithful in our marriage, Chris, I don't know if I could back off that. I don't know if I could overcome that, Sarah. I just don't think I could. I know me. And if you could, God bless you. Super. And you probably, I, I think the scripture would bear that out. You're supposed to forgive people. I get that. I'm just saying, Bob, I don't think I could. Agape love can. And that's why I'm telling you, I don't think I have that. Because there's a line that my love won't cross. And maybe I'm wrong, Pam, don't do it, just to see. Uh, but I, 
I'm fairly sure I know me. And I know my love would not go across that line. But this is what God told me this week as I was working on this. He said, Mike, my love will go over that line. You've been unfaithful to me. You've cheated on me. And I still love you. That's agape love. So when we look at our spouse, you know, if you've got that agape love for him or her, good for you. I'm just telling you, I've not worked that through. But with my kids, I've got a better feeling for that. Maybe you do too. But you understand where I'm coming from. Agape love is unconditional. You love them because of who they are, not for what they've done or what they can do for you. You love them even if they don't say thank you. You love them even though they don't deserve it or they earned it. You love them. You never take it away from them. Agape love requires faithfulness. Agape love requires commitment. Agape love love requires sacrifice without expecting anything in return not even a thank you how many of y'all stop doing things for your spouse because they stop saying thank you that's not agape and what i'm doing to y'all i'm trying to show you what agape is really by telling you what it isn't agape just does it because that person loves you. Does God love, with, does God love us with agape love? Absolutely. He does. Are we supposed to love God with that same type of agape love? Alright, I don't know if you can see this up on the screen or not, but I do want to try to show this to you. Um, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. Would you be curious what that love is trans would you be curious what that word is translated as? What type of love that is? Show that to him, Kels. That word uh, uh, that word love over there. Um, shall lo- G25. 25. The word is agapeo, or it's from the Greek word agape. Agape love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That means that you and I are to love God no matter what happens. Even if He takes the most important person in our life away from us. Even if the doctor says we have cancer. Even though the doctor says, oh, you're in the early stages of Alzheimer's. Even when your wife or your husband says, oh, I'm gone, baby, bye-bye. Or even when your kid says, hey, I'm not going to talk to you again the rest of my life, old man. Or even when the boss says, hey, you're fired. The Bible tells us that we still love God. Now, how many times have you walked away from God when He broke your heart? Or when somebody you love was removed from your life, or a job you love was taken from you, or your financial life fell apart? Well, if God, if that's the way you're going to treat me. But you see, we, we love the idea that God loves us unconditionally, but when we see that God re- is requiring us to love Him unconditionally and love Him with agape love, dang. That means we love Him even though He may slay us. Yet, I will trust in Him. That's the agape love that we show God. He requires us to show that agape love to Him. God's love is intentional, it's sacrificial, and it's powerful. It's committed, and it's never changing. God's love for us is the same yesterday, next week, and next year. It's unconditional. uh, The nature of God's love. And many of us were drawn to God because of that love. We know and we found out that God loved us, and we ran to Him because we understood how rich and deep that love was. And and we fell in love with Him because we found out that He loves us. 1 John 4, 16. God is love. And by the way, that word is agape. And he that and and he, she, us that dwelleth in love, 
dwelleth in God and God in Him. Church, when we become a Christian, we are cloaked in the agape love of Jesus. When we can't do it on our own, and by the way, we can't do it on our own, we can do it in Him to the best of our ability. We can love and. We can love people unconditionally. How we seek to imitate the love of God in our lives, how do we best show that agape love to others? Work for somebody's good without desiring to control them. Work for somebody's good without desiring to be thanked. And agape love means you don't even have to enjoy the process. You just love them. Nothing they can say or do will stop that love. How can we love those who seem impossible to love? How can we love those who seem impossible to love? Well, we're going to answer that when we get to this next point, when we see that God's love is unconventional. God's unconventional love loves people who are hard to love, difficult to love, arduous to love. Jesus was drew to those who were cast out and overlooked. Jesus was drew to those who were underserved. Jesus was drew to those who were passed over. Jesus loved those whom the culture had deemed unlovable. Jesus loved those in the culture that had seemed unclean and undeserving. He loved the woman at the well. He loved Zacchaeus up in the sycamore tree. He loved the collector of taxes. He loved the woman with the flow of blood. He loved the pool. He loved the invalid, the invalid by the pool of Bethsaida. He loved the thief hanging next to him on the cross. He loved those who cried out, Crucify! He loved them. He loved the people who cried out, Let Barabbas go. Hey, y'all, he even loved the dude who drove nails in his hands. Remember what Jesus said? Father, forgive him. They don't even know what they're doing. Man, you tell me a word that would describe the love of God other than unconventional. You mean He just loved no matter what was going on around Him. Jesus must have looked crazy to most people when He was talking to the woman at the well. Or He was telling the Pharisees what He thought of them when, he said, when they said He was crazy for healing on the Sabbath. You see, Jesus' early disciples witnessed that unconventional love and it changed their whole life. You've got Peter and James and John and Paul and Stephen, all of their early believers, all their early disciples. They saw those guys and they were sold out and they were witnessing for Jesus. Their contemporaries thought they were crazy too. The point being, church, if you're going to truly imitate the love of Jesus, you've got to understand something. There will be people in your life who think that you're nuts. They will think that you have left the reservation so far you don't even have cell service anymore. But we are called to show that unconventional love to God. It's going to look odd to those close to you. But in order to love unconditionally, we're going to have to think outside the box. And we're going to have to get a little unconventional at times. And they may look crazy to other people. You may look crazy going up and down the streets of Chester, praying for people and leaving door hangers. But that's okay. We love Chester. We may look crazy out there in the parking lot with, with 112 degrees outside, ministering to kids. But that's okay. It's okay. Y'all, in the Ragamuffin Gospel book by Brennan Manning, he taught about the furious love of God. And I'm going to read that quote to you. It says, The furious love of God is not moody or capricious. The furious love of God knows no seasons of change. He has single relentless stance towards us. He loves us. He is the only God who loves sinners. False gods, the gods of human manufacturing, they despise sinners. But the Father of Jesus loves all, no matter what they do. But of course, this is almost too incredible for us to accept church it says in james 1 7 about this unconventional love of jesus the bible tells us this in james 1 17 every good and every perfect gift comes from above coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows church god loved you yesterday he loves you today and the day you draw your last breath he will 
love you. He will never stop loving you. He will never withdraw His love from you. His love for us has no beginning and it has no end. His love for us will never be rained out. His love for us will never be overturned by the Supreme Court. His love has only one way to exist and that's furiously. Nothing will stop Him from loving you and me. Church, we can't make God stop loving us because His love is based on who He is, not based upon what we do. The symbol of love is not the heart, but rather it's a cross. You see, a heart will stop beating. A heart will stop beating. But the man who hung on the cross never stops loving. And so, church, I want you to understand that God will never stop loving you because His love is unconventional. The unconditional and unconventional love of Christ produces this. It produces unbelievable results. It is unbelievable what the love of God can do in a person's life. If you've become a Christian, you are probably attracted to the unbelievable love that God has for you. If you're a Christian, you were drawn to the love that He has for you. Every other religion has God wanting people to try to get up to Him, to be good enough to get up to Him, to, to do enough good things to get up to Him, to be the kind of person to get up to Him, to be a worthy person to get up to Him. If you follow the eightfold path of the four noble truths of Buddhism, then you will find God. Or if you do the five pillars of, of Islam, you will find God. Or, or if your karma scale at the end of your life is more good than bad, then you'll find God. Every other world religion has man trying to get to God. The only religion is people trying to get to God. Christianity is when God came to man. He came to us. He's not asking us to be better to get to Him. He's saying, let me do the betterment in you. Let me do a new work in you. You tell someone who spent their entire life working hard for God to love them, or working even harder to earn God's favor, or whatever, or whatever God they're following, and then they hear about the unbelievable love of Jesus. You get somebody who's tried to earn God's love their whole life, or somebody who's tried to earn uh, God's favor their whole life, and then you tell them that, baby, you don't have to do anything but just fall in love with God. You want to see freedom open up on somebody. You want to see liberation happen to somebody. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. Christianity is God's attempt to reach man. Religion says do. Christianity says done. Church, Jesus did all the heavy lifting for you and me at the cross. We don't have to do another thing. We just fall in love with Him. The offer's there. All we have to do is take it. You'll tell somebody who spent their entire life working hard for God that and it will rock their world. And then this beautiful twist of Christianity is this. In response to the unbelievable, unconventional, unconditional love of God, we are called to place our belief in the One who traded His life for ours. We are called to be believers in the sacrificial love of God. The same Jesus who said, no greater love has no man than this. He's saying, now I want you to go do that in front of the world. I want you to show my love in front of them. The same Christ who said, greater love has no one than this. That, some, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Do you have friends in your life you'd lay down your life for? Do you have family members that you'd lay down your life for? Do you have people in mind who need to receive that unbelievable love of God? They're going to see it in you. Would you be willing to be an ambassador for the kingdom that you represent? Would you be willing to speak for the king and the sovereign that you follow? Would you be willing to stand out instead of fit in? I'm going to show a real quick video. It's about a three-minute video. Um, and I want you to put yourself in the family's position who is praying. And I want you to ask yourself, if I was there with them that day, what would I have done? What would I do?
God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hand. Can you stop doing that? It's making me really uncomfortable. Excuse me? Doing what? That praying thing. I don't mean to be rude, but I don't need you shoving your God in my face. You're having lunch at a restaurant when you see a family, hand in hand, saying grace. Now, sitting next to them is an atheist. She's offended by all the praying and complains about it. Do you step in or do you turn the other cheek and say nothing? What would you do? Miss, I'm sorry, we don't mean to offend you, but we have the right to pray openly. And I have the right to eat without you forcing your religion down my throat. It's sure to be a hot-button issue in San Antonio, a city with hundreds of houses of worship. Our family is fresh from Sunday services, and so is this couple. But does that mean they'll share our family's burden by stepping in? God is great. God is good. When our atheist interrupts... Hey, come on, guys. Can you save the, the praying for church, please? You're making me really uncomfortable. The look on Sandy Broach's face says it all. Excuse me? I don't believe what you believe, and you shouldn't be forcing your ideas on us. At first, she uses a church whisper. So could you please stop? Then she makes a proclamation. Maybe you shouldn't be yours. And finally offers an apology. I'm sorry that y'all had to witness this here. Thank you, ma'am. In shock. Sandy's shocked. But what about her husband, Pierce? So far, he's remained silent. Why should you be allowed to force your religion down my throat when I'm just trying to sit and eat my lunch? But then his temper runneth over. Tell you what, why don't all of us be quiet and enjoy this meal? We're quiet, you be quiet. Please, thank you. I just don't see how I'm wrong. Look, you're gonna mess with the wrong person. Can you be quiet, I'll be quiet, they'll be quiet. Please. Okay, okay, okay. I'm John Quinones. Wow. Hey. Of all people. My gosh. I mean, I was at mass this morning. I'm so sorry that we upset you. No. You were upset, sir. I thought that this thing was escalating to the point that it was going to ruin the meal for everybody in this room. And people who don't agree with prayer, what should they do? If they don't agree with it, just keep quiet. Loving others and sticking up for the kingdom, speaking up for the kingdom, it's going to shock the world. But it's really the earmark that marks us from everybody. It's the earmark that makes us stand out. The Bible says, this is how the whole world will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. Now, that doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you have everything figured out because... The truth is, you don't, and I don't. But even when we blow it, people know that as Christians, we subscribe and we ascribe to a principle to live by, a, a standard to live by. Now, they may not believe it, but they know what it is. They may not want any part of it, but they know what the principle is you're living for. You don't believe me? Mess up one time and you see how quick a lost person will jump on you. You fall down one time and you see how quick the law is like, I thought you were supposed to be different than that. You know, I'm a Christian. 
but I can also be the biggest hypocrite in the room. I'm a Christian and I still fall. I'm a Christian and I still struggle. I'm a Christian and I still backslide and I get on the broad path from time to time. And I'm assuming I'm probably not the only one who does. But aren't you glad God's still working on us? He ain't done with us. I may be a mess, but praise God, I'm His mess. I belong to Him. And little by little, I can tell you right now, He straightened me out. One of these days, I'm going to be right by His side, and I'm going to be the man that He wants me to be at that time. But until then, He's going to keep working on me and sanctifying me and changing me. But until that day comes, I'm going to take Him by His hand, and I'm going to let Him do whatever He needs to get done in my life. It isn't easy. It's not painless. It's hard and painful, but I think when he's finished, it'll be worth it. All right, I'm going to leave you a quick story. Hand to God. Pam and I used to make fun of people who dress alike. It's usually older people that dress alike. We used to make fun of people bad. And then we became those people. And Sarah, sometimes it's not even planned. In fact, I came out of the, uh, of the bedroom today. Pam went in the bathroom uh, doing her hair and makeup. I come out, uh, black shirt, and she said, I'm just going to wear a black shirt today. I said, really? What kind of shoes are you going to wear? We have that conversation, which I'm sure it's not at every house. Uh, but, but what we've found out, you know, you look at pictures of us. We've been together 30, it'll be 30 years this year. We started looking like each other. You get married to somebody long enough, you begin to look like each other. Study was done, Chris. Uh, I think it was, it was either University of Michigan, Minnesota, something like that. Sorry, with an M. But the doctor uh, who was doing this is a PhD. Uh, he, he got wedding pictures of people who had been married 25 years or more. He got their wedding picture and their picture of them now. And he said... The more they were in love with each other, the more they resembled one another. The more they were in love, the more they resembled one another. They've been together 25 years, they're either toughing it out or they're in love. Maybe both, maybe stubbornness. But they found out that the longer you're with them and the more you love them, the more you look like them talk like them, dress like them. You just kind of, you do. It's just, it's just what happens. They don't know why. It's just who we are. Can I give you my take on it? Here's my take. The longer you stay with somebody you love, the more you look like them. The more you'll talk like them. The more you'll behave like them. You'll kind of assume some of their mannerisms and some of their idiosyncrasies. The more time you spend with them, the deeper the relationship goes. And you just kind of begin to imitate them whether you know it or not. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you'll look like Him. The more time you spend with Him, the more you'll love Him. The more time we spend with Him, the more we'll talk like Him and sound like Him and praise God, the more we'll look like Him. Who are you spending your time with? Who do you look like? Fight the urge to fit in. Embrace the opportunity to stick out, stand up, and to speak up. Almighty God, we love you. I pray that we would look like you, that we would imitate you, Jesus. And Father, at the end, 
it will be worth it all. Thank you for still working on us. Thank you for still sanctifying us and making us look like your son Jesus. Give us boldness and courage to stand. And it's in Christ's name I pray. A couple real quick announcements. Number one, August 24th, we are doing a mystery tour. We're calling it an adult day trip, which makes it sound dirty. Uh, and we even tried grown-up, which made it sound weird as well. So we're going with, this is for seasoned members, alright? It's more for the older group. Uh, they're going on a, on a mystery tour. We're not telling you where we're going, but it will be fun, and there will be food, alright? And it's a one-dayer. Sign up sheets in the back. Brother Don, you got anything else you want to say for that? Or that is that okay? Okay, all right. Uh, so it would be just a, a, a one-on. I, I had a whole list of things I was going to say back in the back, and I left it on my desk. Picnic. Oh, yeah. Uh, August, uh, August 14th. We're going to do a Saturday night service out at Cole Park. Uh, we're going to do a service. We're going to do a picnic. Uh, food. You don't have to bring anything. Bring, bring, uh, come at 5 o'clock that night. We're going to do some games. If, you're, if you've been dying to know what Frisbee golf is, uh, Dr. Kirkpatrick is going to show us how to do that, right? Right. He said, yeah, he's, yeah that, that's the way he says yes, with a laugh, saying you didn't even tell me anything about this. Uh, so, so he'll be teaching you how to do uh, Frisbee golf, and we'll, we'll be having some fun games like that. I, that's all I've got. I don't remember literally anything. Connect groups. Connect groups coming up, uh, not this week, but next week, August 10th and 11th. Uh, if you have not signed up for that, make sure you do that. Man, this, this, this class, number one, it's one of the best top five books I've ever read. Uh, but number two, this class, if you've ever been hurt, if, you've, if, you, if somebody's abused you or offended you or wounded your inner man or inner woman, it could have been 30, 40, 50 years ago, this class will help you overcome that pain, help you deal with it. So I encourage you to do that. That's all I have. God bless you. Have a great week. See you, uh, see you next week. God bless you. Thank you, church.